And welcome to the Voice of a Lion. I am Clay Schroff. And I am Michelle Schroff. And together, with an amazing guest, we are the Voice of the Lion. And we hope that it inspires you, gives you guidance, and you find strength in the journey and the stories of those that we have on. Now, Michelle is not only my co-host, but she's my gorgeous wife of 24 years. She's the mother of our 10 children and the best Mimi in the world. She was voted Mother of the Year by American Mothers Incorporated. She is the director of Zoe, which is a nonprofit that empowers and equips women that find themselves in abusive situations, poverty, and incarceration. She's an amazing public speaker, empowering those around her. She's a life coach, a mentor, and she is the blog author of runmama.run. Clay is not only the most adventurous husband, daddy, and papa, he is a veteran of the United States Air Force, specializing in security and law enforcement. He is currently the top producer for Larry H. Miller Automotive Corporation, director of Aspen, a nonprofit that positively impacts the family, and he is also a mentor, life coach, and a dynamic public speaker. We are so excited to hang out with you for the next 30 minutes or so. Welcome to the Voice of a Lion. This is Clay and Michelle Schroff with Voice of a Lion, and our guest today feeds New Mexico kids, Holly Slade. Hi, Clay. Hi, Michelle. Hey, thank you for coming. Oh, you are so welcome. Thank you for having me. Sure. It's an honor. You know, and the Voice of the Lion really highlights people who, um, not because of position, um, because, but what they're doing uh, with their lives to um, just make it a better place for the people around them, their community, and the world. And uh, be New Mexico kids. The, the thing is, is it obviously podcasts go out around the United States. And I don't want people to ever think that this is just for New Mexico. Because mm-hmm. what you're doing in every single large city, especially, there are kids going hungry right now, aren't there? There are. I mean, just because New Mexico leads the nation in childhood hunger mm. doesn't mean that there's not hunger elsewhere in the nation. And that's what people need to understand. It's it's on a trajectory. I'm not sure there's any state in the nation that doesn't have some percentage of childhood hunger. But childhood hunger hides. Um, kids are afraid to let anybody know. Parents are afraid to let anybody know. There's a There's a real combination of circumstances that have come upon a family and then there are flat out neglectful parents. Right. And, you know, what we do is we just don't operate in the realm of judgment. Mm. It doesn't matter, you know, to us how the child got hungry. It doesn't determine whether we feed them or not. Wow. So it can be cancer. It can be job loss. It can be um, flat out irresponsible parenting. You know, we hear some horrible stories from mm. some of the first responders. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But the child didn't create the situation. The child is not responsible for being, you know, underage and without food. Right. And so we just come along the child one-on-one. Um, we deliver our food through the public school system. That's how we have access. People ask us all the time, how do you find the children? You know what? Teachers, school counselors, nurses, principals, they see. They see who are the ones that are always asking for seconds at mm. lunch, who are the ones that are falling asleep. Who are the ones that don't have the appropriate coat or, you know, shoes when the weather changes? Mm -hmm. And so we distribute food to the schools and partner with the schools so that they get it directly to the child. You know, because if you think about it, you could have a house that has rice and beans in the pantry. A third grader doesn't know how to make make rice and beans. 
they don't know how. And also what you do is you create, you, um, you add to that relationship that the teachers have with those students and the mm -hmm. counselors and the principals so that it's not just this, you know, feed New Mexico kids that walks in and hands them their food. It's someone that knows them and cares for them right. and is truly looking out for them. So, and, and that guilt and sh or that shame itself is just removed from them. It's, hey, I just noticed that you had seconds today. Would you like to take this home? It sounds like you're going through a growth spurt because exactly. that's totally what I would say. Exactly. <laughs> well, and the kids are, you know, when there's a safety element there, mm -hmm. when they don't feel like they're in danger, when nobody's um, threatened by health and human services, you know, right. they're afraid. Children are afraid that they're going to get taken out of their home. But there's this trust relationship between teachers or counselors and whatever. So when teacher gives them a snack pack, the kids get pretty honest. Sometimes they'll say, oh, well, I'm staying with this parent this week, so I don't need the snack pack. Mm -hmm. I'm staying with mm -hmm. that parent the next week, so I'll need it mm -hmm. next week. And so they'll, you know, they'll build a relationship of trust so that the teacher also has a better idea right. of what's going on in this child's life. And what matters is the child and that the child feels mm -hmm. safe and that the child can come and learn so that they can grow up and hopefully move on and go to college or you exactly. know, be productive and, and feel confident in who that they are. Yeah. And it not just be about, you know, being the poor kid that doesn't have a lunch. Right. And and it's more than just a stomach ache or a headache right. or, or things like that, because a hungry child is two times as likely to repeat a grade. Mm -hmm three times as likely to get suspended. Mm -hmm. And then a hungry teen is five times as likely to commit suicide. Mm -hmm. Because if you think about it in a child's life, when you're hungry and you literally don't know where your next meal is coming from, there's a, there's a pretty significant loss of hope. That's this right. is the bottom level of Maslow's hierarchy of mm -hmm. needs. How do we get to that mm -hmm. place where we care about our grades? That's the middle of the pyramid. Mm -hmm. How do we get to the place where we want to dream right. about being an artist being a teacher, being a scientist, whatever it is that child's dreams are, they just can't travel up the pyramid while they don't even know where their next meal is coming right. from. That's right. You know, and, and I grew up in a home where we may, we did without very little. I didn't have a lot of excess, but I sure had food. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I guess I didn't fully understand it until I actually got a chance to talk with my wife. Mm -hmm. Um, I know when you brought this up, and, I, and I've known her past but since before we were, were married, and we're mm -hmm. coming up on 25 years, yeah. so pretty cool. Wow. But along with that, share a little bit, Michelle, about what that meant to you when you were growing up, because I know that there were times that not knowing where your next meal was coming from was tough. Yeah, I think for me, my parents divorced when I was nine, and when the divorce occurred, there was a huge um, just you know, insane amount of stress and anxiety that came over my mother who never worked, you know, she was a stay at home mom and she had to figure out a way to get a job. And, you know, she didn't graduate from high school. She mm -hmm. didn't go to college, nothing. So we actually, when I was 11, we were homeless. We lived in motels. We moved with different family members and not know, you know, if you're sitting in a, in a room with a family member, that's like, we got to feed them again. That mm -hmm. that stress and strain on a child is, and and I ne I didn't even think about it until I started having children and started, you know, uh, one of my kids would say, "Can I have seconds?" and I'm like, "Oh yeah, of course you can. Why would you even? You don't even need to ask if you can have seconds." Mm -hmm. But the idea of someone else providing for you, right, and giving to you, and it being a um, you feeling like a burden. 
Yeah. Like you were saying, those basic needs need to be met. And for me, I, I can pinpoint when I'm looking at my, you know, school history, my academics, the, the times that I did the worst were when was when I was the hungriest. Right. When mm-hmm. I would run home because, you know, in our family, it was, we were very proud. We didn't go and get on lunch programs. You know, we didn't do that. We just didn't eat. I'd say, oh, I'm not hungry. And I'd run home and make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Mm-hmm. And that was all we had. Mm-hmm. We lived in a studio apartment, me, my mom, and my, my brother. This was middle school years. And it was very difficult to um, even be able to invite friends over, to right. have normal relationships right. and get to know people. Or once you step into that dating age and, oh, gosh, I don't want a guy coming over here. I don't even have anything to offer him or, you know. Right. So it it really shapes you know, just it, it shapes your thinking. It shapes the way that you relate to others. Mm-hmm. So getting getting out into the community and really putting our hands on these folks and letting them know there's nothing to be ashamed of. Right. You, this is out of your control. Mm-hmm. And as a, a community and as people that care for you, we just want to help. Yes. And and I, I love and that's why I absolutely love what you do. And I had even stopped you at one point and said, when I was a kid, if I could have brought home a snack pack for the weekend, yeah. I would it would have solved a ton of my issues. You know? Right. I would have been able to sleep right. and do my homework mm-hmm. because I would have had this routine of eating, sleeping, you know, and mm-hmm. I just didn't. And it wasn't my mom's fault. She was trying to figure things out herself. Sure. And she was the best mom. She was I was the first person to graduate from high school in my family. I went to college. Right. So she did a great job. It was that struggle of those basic needs when that divorce happened. Mm-hmm. And, you know, me and my brother were, are successful. But when you look at that now, you're like, what? You what? Yeah. That happened to you? Right. Yeah. It happens to a lot of folks that happens we just, to a lot of them. We just mm-hmm. aren't aware of. Yeah. So I love that you guys have the teachers and everyone that their fingers are on the pulse of that school to find out what the needs are. Right. So, so many teachers dig into their own pocketbook mm, yeah. and provide for their students. Um, but when you are number one in childhood hunger, when every fourth child is hungry, there's only so much a teacher can do on their salary. And that's not what a teacher's salary is for. That's right. You know, so over and over again, we run into teachers. I don't, I'm not sure we've ever run into a teacher who's not doing something extra for her classroom, but there's a limit what mm-hmm. they can do. There was one teacher here in Albuquerque. She she just was trying to do so much. One month she ran short on her own rent, mm. just trying to care for the children that are in her classroom. And so if we as a community can come alongside together, if we can all lock shields together, if we can all agree that this is a problem that is unacceptable in a civilized, industrialized nation, if this is unacceptable in a community— where we all have um, friends, you know, even if even if we ourselves are in a situation, let's say, where um, there's no um, extra in my life. Right. I've got friends that have extra that right. I could inform about this program. And we've got drop sites all over this city. Anybody can drop food at any of the police substations throughout the city. They can drop food here at um, Calvary on the Osuna campus. They can drop food over at Legacy on their um, uh, Coors and Central campus. Um, there's a church down in 
Las Lunas that just started, actually, it's Bosque Farms, um, that just started and one up in Rio Rancho. Right. I mean, if people want to drop food, we can certainly find a location that's convenient for them to drop food. That's right. And what's really cool is you have created a blueprint that the rest of America could actually just build from. We always, me and Michelle, as we look at what the needs of our community are, the needs mm-hmm. of children is where we specialize, but the community as a whole is, did somebody else already do it? And if mm-hmm. they've, if, is there somebody else in America that's already doing it that have created a blueprint so I don't have to recreate the wheel? Right. right. Then all I got to do is draw it up, screw in the parts where they belong, mm-hmm. and move on. So I want, the, I want stuff like feed New Mexico kids to feed America kids. Right. right. We want this to spread. Feed California kids. Feed, yeah, yeah Florida kids. Yeah. You know, there, and there are children all across America, and it does make a difference. And it's more than just just eating. Mm-hmm. It's that's what keeps you alive, right? Mm-hmm. But what the truth is is that these kids are are victims in other ways. Right. You know, you, it could be abuse, it could be neglect, it could be a, a disease. But in one way or another, a child that is hungry, no child, no child should ever go hungry anywhere in the world. No. There's enough wasted food in America mm-hmm. to feed the entire Earth. Yeah. And uh, as I look at that and, you know, that what I found is through the voice of the lion is we talk to people who are always looking to help the person who's in the hole, but we're not always, we're not always picking them up and throwing them out. Sometimes we're helping them build a ladder and the climb out and feed New Mexico kids by teaming with the, with the teachers Mm -hmm. should create just a little bit more of an impact where they're being cared for and loved by people mm-hmm. who care and love them mm-hmm. and let them know that they're worthy. And right. and when they get out, because there's a time where these people, are, these kids are going to get out and they're going to have jobs. Right. And you hope that what they learn through the charity of others, through the generosity mm-hmm. of others, is That's to be right. generous. Right. Everyone that we've talked to, it, it, it all boils down to one point and it's pouring into to our community. Hey, Holly, what did you want to be when you were a kid? Oh, I wanted to be an actress. Yes? Yes. And what did you do to pursue that? You know, I was in school plays. I could not sing very well. And so being an actress that can't sing or dance is a little bit of a challenge. (laughs) So, but, you know, I really wanted to go to Carnegie Mellon. I wanted to go and audition. Right. And my folks, um, I guess, maybe saw a lack of talent or something, (laughs) but they would not pay for me to go to Carnegie Mellon and audition. So that didn't happen. So actually, when I went into college, my plan was to be a newscaster. And so, you know, I pursued that a little bit, but I actually have a virus in my eyes that doesn't allow me to have those bright lights in my face. So I went into organizational communication and decided that that would fit, you know, whatever I decided I wanted to do. I spent a little, (laughs) what do you know? What do you know? Radio works because there aren't any bright lights. Podcasts work because there aren't any bright lights. I have a radio face. It's really good for you. It works out well. That's not true. funny? Yeah, I wanted to, and I was the shyest kid in the world. Oh my word. When I was little, my uncle came to visit, and he was a school bus driver, Mm -hmm. so he knew how to interact with kids. He picked me up. I cried so hysterically, I almost hyperventilated. (laughs) I would hide under my bed when company would come. I would do anything to not have to meet strangers. I mean, just deathly shy. Now you're meeting hundreds, if not thousands. I know, I know. And it happened because of theater. I took a theater class, and this director taught you basically how to be someone else 
And through the art of being someone else, I learned how to be myself. Oh, wow. You know, he made us stand on a stage with our arms down at our side. You couldn't, you know, cross your arms and fidget and hands in pockets and all of that. And so I think he knew teenagers were so awkward and Mm -hmm. insecure. He would have you play some crazy character first because that's easier. It's so pretend it's not me. And then he would have you play the character who was closest to you. Oh, wow. And so you got comfortable being you. It's really interesting. That's interesting. Very good. I didn't expect all that. I'm super stoked. (laughs) I'm like, I'm going to try that on my kids. I'm going to try that on my kids. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, so if you could talk to the entire world, everybody, to the most powerful that there are, the richest of the rich, or the poorest of the poor, or those that don't have a voice, but you you could speak to all of them, what would you tell them? I think I would tell um, all of them that, as, as a community, we have a responsibility to engage with one another at a level that is appropriate. You know, we all have margins, not just financial margins, but time margins, mm-hmm. talent margins, all of those types of things. And I think that there are seasons in life where it really is your role to receive. You know, I've, I've known some people who have mm-hmm. just been hit after wave, after wave, after wave, and their part in a community is to receive. Mm. That's and good. and I think that sometimes people have a hard time with that, you know, like like when the parents like your mom, mm-hmm. if she'd have raised her hand mm-hmm. and said, this is my season to receive. I need a little help. Right. Your childhood might have been totally a little different. different yeah. Right. Yeah. For the rest of us who have excess, I think it's in relation to what we have. I really do. Um, I, I feel like those who have moderately can give out of that. Those who have much can give out of that. We've got incredibly generous people who mm-hmm. will, you know, call up every now and then and say, hey, are you doing that Thanksgiving drive? You know, we'd like to do this. Or companies that will say, we want to do a food drive. We had an anonymous donor drop off 2,000 pounds, one ton of food to the church here. Nice. We tried to get their name. We tried to get the name of their company. Would not give it up. They were just bringing the food and dropping it wow. off. So I just think that each person in the community has to understand the community doesn't function without each of us doing our role, whatever that role is, whether it's giving, whether it's um, spreading the word, whether it is um, receiving. Right. You know, because let's let's face it, there is a season in all of our lives. I think we've all had seasons where maybe we didn't need food or maybe we didn't need finances, but boy, we were spent Mm -hmm. and we just needed some other people to carry the load for a while. Right. That's Very one we good. have not heard. Love it. That's really good. You know, uh, Neil Ortiz, a dear friend of ours. Yes. Right. I, I was getting ready to go overseas to El Salvador, mm-hmm. and we were working with the orphanages there. And his words of uh, wisdom to me that day were, if you have bread for one, you can feed two. If you have bread for two, you can feed four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what I heard you basically say is, if you need help, ask for help. Yes. And those of us that have plenty have an obligation to yes. give. Yes. Mm-hmm. When we've done our Thanksgiving meal outreach, we've had some parents who didn't make their need known until mm. later in the outreach and thankfully in time. But they were so embarrassed about their circumstance that they wanted to come around to kind of a back door of the school. Mm. And thankfully, the schools were willing to accommodate. And I think when when um, tragedy or difficult circumstances are new, Mm -hmm. people really do have this shame component that they're struggling Mm -hmm. with. 
And I wish I could say to those people, there is no shame in going through a season of need. That's right. Mm-hmm. You know, make it known, raise your hand mm-hmm. so that people can come along, you and especially your children, mm-hmm. because it has such an impact on them. And, you know, for those of us who are just kind of going about our lives, going to Starbucks, mm-hmm. going to movies, you know, one can of ravioli costs one dollar. Right. One dollar. And lunch. literally lunch for someone, yeah. Literally to a kid who has nothing. If they got only one can of ravioli on Saturday and Sunday, that would change their weekend. That's right. We have third graders that are losing two pounds over the weekend. Now, our snack packs have more than that one can of ravioli, mind you. Of course. But in terms of if you're trying to figure out, you know, how to donate or one or what to donate, one can of ravioli, one dollar. Let me say this, though. We do a lot of ding-dong ditching. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's one of our favorite things to do as a family, as a small group, or just just getting group a bunch of, of people together. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. so much fun. And what Ding Dong Ditches, guys, is where you go to the grocery store and you know a family in need. Right. And you go shopping for them. Mm-hmm. And then you sneak up in the middle of the night <laughs> and you put these... Sounds gro- really creepy. It sounds creepy. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. Sounds creepy. <laughs> we put these groceries on their door and then you knock and then everyone runs off. Yeah. And, and that's it. And then they come out and there's groceries. But let me tell right. you, one of our rules is that... If picking raviolis, I ain't picking raviolis that I don't pick for my own family. Right. right. Don't don't go to the cheapest. If you ain't buying the cheapest for your family, mm-hmm. by golly, give right. them the good stuff. Right. And I, I and I know you guys you guys you may care, but I mean as an organization, you're just thankful yeah. to get the donations. But listen to me, listeners. If you're gonna give, give abundantly and give the good. Well, and it changes you. It, it really change it changes you, you more, more than it changes that person that's receiving it. It really does. Well, and our food is so specific because it's going to children, mm-hmm. you know, right. so it, it is, easy. it yeah. is, has to be single serve, mm-hmm. non-perishable, easy open, so that a child who does not have access to a can opener mm-hmm. or a microwave can eat the food in it. Now mm-hmm. we do do um, the single serve mac and cheese because you can actually make it with hot water mm-hmm. out of a faucet. Hmm. And if um, a child is in a situation where they're living in a car with a family in a Walmart parking lot, et cetera, um, a lot of our corner drug stores are really good about giving people hot water mm-hmm. as long as they have their own container. So, you know, what we put in a snack pack is there's a can of single serve ravioli. There's a single serve pudding, a single serve mac and cheese. There's a single serve fruit squeeze, and we like the squeezes, you know, that yes. are that are in those the tubes. Pouches. Yeah, because the cellophane wrappers, because of the way we pack the snack packs, if that gets even the smallest little bend in it, right. then it leaks in well, the pack and ruins it. And... Yeah, yeah. So, well, we do pack a spoon and a napkin mm-hmm. in there, mm-hmm. and then we put in a couple of granola bars. We like to put in a flavored tuna packet, mm-hmm. and we put in some peanut butter crackers, trail mix, nice nuts, and um, Am I leaving anything out? I don't know, but I'm and a little, a little, know, little, little packet of, um, of, um, you know, dried fruit chews. And when you kind of divvy it all up, there's enough to get through two days. You know, we did a challenge over on uh, the Star Eighty Eight radio mm-hmm. station. I gave each of the DJs um, a snack pack to take home over the weekend and eat <laughs> out of it. They were grown men, right? You know, and they were able to do it, That's and it awesome. was a good lesson for their family. Their boys were really interested in what they were doing. Well, Holly Slade, one of our lionesses, and uh, we hope that it inspires America, first of all, to the knowledge that that there are hungry kids out there that aren't voicing it. 
And if I was to hear Holly's roar, it was basically, if you need help, ask, ask, because there's no, there's no shame in us needing help. And for those of us that have uh, an abundance that can give, give abundantly. Yes, that's right. Amen. Thanks, Holly. Thank you, guys. Such an honor. And this has been the Voice of a Lion. And I hope that you enjoyed today's guest. I hope that they inspired you, they motivated you, and you find strength in their journey and the stories that they told. If you'd like to continue to follow us, please go to voiceofalion.com. <laughs>